Welcome to the Walk Around Podcast. Our goal is to share with you the insights, the skills, the processes, and the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Funch, and as always, joined by Danny Vendrell. Hey, Danny. How's it going, Nick? Going great. Another week in the book. Super excited about today's guest, though, Michelle. Definitely. Yeah, Michelle Detondo is a principal with Avion Consulting. She has 25 years of experience in human resources leadership and organizational transformation. She served nearly a decade as the Chief Human Resources Officer for MGM Resorts International, leading culture transformation and employee engagement initiatives for the company's 88,000, let me say that again, 88,000 employees worldwide. As an executive coach, Michelle has provided support and guidance and leadership development both internally and externally. Her coaching practice has continued to focus on senior level leaders and large organizations working to develop their executive presence, leadership style, and strategic thinking skills. Michelle received her Bachelor of Arts degree in education from Arizona State and her MBA from BYU. She resides in Las Vegas, Nevada with her husband and two children. She has board positions with the Culinary Training Academy, Asian American Pacific Islander Scholarship Fund, and the Red Cross of Southern Nevada. Currently, she is on the board of LeaderMom.com and focused on creating resources for women and mothers in leadership roles. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're uh, excited to take a little bit of a walk around leadership and transformation and all that goes into that. As we get started, maybe a little background. I know I touched on it briefly, but a little background on kind of what led you to the HR space in general. Well, um, I always had a passion for teaching, which is why my bachelor's degree is in secondary education. I had plans to be a high school teacher, and it the way things just happened, my first job offer out of Arizona State was in human resources. And so spent a career just going through progressively more um, responsible roles through financial services and being from Las Vegas, I was very intent on not working in hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, all roads led me back to home and ended up just by chance joining Caesars Entertainment as a head of HR at the Flamingo, which is classic Las Vegas destination. Yeah. And in 2006, went to MGM Resorts at New York, New York Hotel and Casino as a head of HR. Spent a couple of years there and Mandalay Bay as a head of HR at Mandalay Bay before going into the corporate role and being the head of human resources for the last nine and a half or so years. So almost a decade, I'm sure you've got many stories to tell through the human resources space, but I guess I'd like to focus our time today on kind of leading through disruption. And almost three years ago, well, by the time this airs, probably over three years ago, MGM was disrupted significantly through the shooting and you were at the helm there. Yeah, that was, um, you know, I think of, a life-changing experience. My colleagues and I going through that day and then just the healing and the recovery of our company and our city after that, I think was definitely life-changing. It's something I'll never forget as both, you know, just a time of great tragedy and anxiety, but also seeing how um, people and my colleagues and our employees came together to really drive the recovery of Las Vegas. It was, it was a tragic and you know, in, incredible time just to see how people come together. Yeah, I think in all great tragedies, there's strengths that come through the, the other side of it. But as you think back to those kind of days immediately after, how did you prioritize or were there certain things that you prioritized to try to get 
your team, kind of those team members on the front lines through that? You know, I think if, if there was a common thing, I think, well, I'd probably emphasize two things. One, all of, you know, our kind of rules and policies and precedent and all of those things went out the window because we really had to, it was a situation that there was no one to turn to who could have provided guidance on how you deal with something like that. Um, none of us, you know, we ran hotels and casinos and human resources. We weren't trained for this. There isn't a handbook. And when you work in an environment with 88,000 employees, but 90% of our employees are hourly. So we had lots of policies, procedures, union contracts, things like that. Those all had to kind of take a backseat to just do anything people. So I would say one, flexibility, adaptability were incredibly important during that aftermath. The other thing was constant communication. It was a time where there was a, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of grief that, you know, we we're kind of uh, creating process and rules daily as we went. Um, we we're deciding how to respond to things just kind of on the fly, 24 hours a day. But the one thing I think we did really well was constantly communicate to the leaders at each of our property, to all the HR leaders who were then responsible for communicating to employees. We had multiple conference calls with everyone all day long and the leaders clearly understood their job was to get messages out to their employees. You know, it's interesting. Those two kind of strategies probably play a lot in kind of what we dealt with through this COVID pandemic as well. Number one, doing the right thing by the by the employee or the associate. Number two, right. kind of communicate. And, and I would kind of make, the, it's interesting that you don't plan for those things. To your point, there's no playbook on how to deal with with tragedy when it strikes or disruption when it strikes. But how do you, how, and I guess this is a rhetorical question, but how you, how do you build in some foundational characteristics that enable you to navigate those things when you, when you go through? It's interesting to me. Yeah. And you know, a lot of it was, um, I mean, driven by our chairman who is like, which I think is similar to the JM family culture too. People come first. And, you know, I think throughout this thing, we are, we kind of asked ourselves starting at the senior leadership, did what we were going to do, did it feel right? Was it the right thing for employees who are impacted? And I'll give you an example, which definitely applies to the pandemic, the current situation. People who weren't able to return to work because they were anxious or fearful, do we pay them or not? Do we cover their benefits? Do we give them funds, which we did, all of these things, but do you give them additional funds to help cover expenses like groceries or rent because they have so much fear and anxiety that they're not ready to come back to work. Those are things that there are no, there are no guidelines or precedent to, to do that, but you know what the right decision is and you know, that has to guide you whether or not it feels like the right thing to do. And so that's kind of the guiding light when you're dealing with um, disruption, but kind of leading a, a 88,000, a team really of 88,000 people, communication's critical there as well, right? Yes, for sure. And how do you, when you think about the alignment and aligning kind of vision, mission, strategy throughout all those levels, how do you go about cascading that throughout the team? You know, one thing that was important to us, which I think applies to all businesses is that, uh, or all organization, is that leaders have to get really good at telling a story. And, you know, I've, I've called it a compelling vision. So, you know, I think our employee population at MGM Resorts was very diverse. So, you know, we had senior level executives and all of those traditional corporate areas like marketing and finance and accounting and analytics, 
But we also had um, the majority of our employees were um, housekeepers and blackjack dealers and bartenders. So, you know, whatever we did from a communication engagement standpoint had to apply to a wide range of um, employees, different languages and different backgrounds. And I think the thing that resonates with all people is a story that gets them excited about the future. So, you know, I think um, companies tend to rely too much on statements that are on the wall or on, you know, giant PowerPoint decks to explain things to employees. And I think if you get a leader to do a really good job at saying, if we do this, this is what the future will look like for us in a, a, in a way like they would talk to a friend at a dinner table versus going through a PowerPoint deck that talked about the ROI on a project. <laughs> we, we really focused on telling stories and making sure that our leaders could tell the story about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what it would look like at the end. We deployed this when we're going through a um, organization restructure where we're changing how our leadership was structured, making some decisions around expenses and things like that. But the first thing we did was made sure that everyone knew how to tell the story. And I think that applies now as well. If leaders can talk about, there are some good things coming out of the COVID crisis. Companies are being innovative. We're, we've Many companies have advanced their digital platform years over the last several months. So if leaders can talk about, you know, we've been through this crisis, but this is what it's going to look like at the end and why we're excited. I think then you kind of get everyone on board and engaged with serving your customer or engaging with clients or whatever your organization's purpose is. But stories, I think, are much more effective than memos and PowerPoint decks and signs on a wall. As you think back, like or interjecting optimism is, is critical, right? I think it's easy, or I find myself, it's easy to focus on what's not going right or the challenges, but interjecting kind of that optimism into those stories, I think is just as critical. How do you do that though? Or how did you focus on it as a leader in interjecting authenticity into that message? Because I, I do agree, like you get the PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint, nobody wants to do that. But there's also this, here's kind of the, the line the company is serving. How do you bake some authenticity into that throughout the, so the leaders can kind of put their spin and, and why they provide value into it? Did you, did you structure that for the leadership or? We actually did. Um, so we structured kind of the high level. These are the things that you need to deliver. These are the messages you need to get across. But how you do that is, you know, you should be authentic to your own personality, use your own words. We, you know, one of the things that we did, which I thought was very effective was during, we, we went through a whole culture and brand transformation. And when we launched that, prior to launching the brand, we said, we need to be able to deliver on the brand. And part of that was making sure that our employees felt the brand. They felt like they were ready to deliver it. So we did like 18 months of work on culture. Part of that was making sure that our leaders understood their role. They understood how to treat employees in the organization. And essentially the message was treat our employees like our best customers. So um, when we, we had a series of leadership training classes, when we, we did launch those training classes, we didn't have HR training in front of the room. We had all of our senior business unit leaders and presidents we had to scale them up so they all felt comfortable because some were interested than others. People loved hearing their stories, their experience, their advice and guidance. And it was a hundred times more effective than having a training specialist up there delivering the same content. 
So, you know, I think a key learning for us was that our leaders of people in the organization, leaders of the business unit are the best people to train because they're, I think they're uh, respected. They have great stories. They have great examples. And in organizations, people, employees love to hear about what their leaders have learned in, in their journey. So it's interesting. I think that just thinking of myself, my own experience in sales, it's I've sat in many a class where it's like, okay, you know, that can't teach or there's some version of that saying, but there's, when you get the people that can teaching, that can do it, um, teaching the class, it's like, that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Um, because there's that respect fact. There's all of those things kind of come into play there. And, and PS, they're seeing the, the, the result of the hard work, right? Uh, and I think you asked how we built authenticity into that message. So we partnered them with an HR leader who they were really kind of their coach. And, you know, they, they practiced the delivery. They um, gave them some guidance. But it was really important for us that they um, were authentic and used their own personality. Because, you know, if you think about uh, people who work in dealerships, you were saying before we got on the call that there are a lot of personalities. There are really a lot of personalities and people that run casinos. <laughs> I can. So, <laughs> so we wanted to, you know, everyone wanted to see their personality in that content as well. I can only that conversation. <laughs> that conversation around culture and brand, I think, is really relevant right now to the dealer body, especially mm -hmm. with, and it's just a conversation we've had in the past too, where, you know, everyone's kind of selling the same car. Everyone's got the same Honda Civic or Toyota Corolla, whatever that may be. And your brand is really the differentiator. That's the reason why someone may choose you and, and may decide to come back and refer their friends to go back to your dealership. And I think I love that, that point on when you look at a brand, what's the culture that's behind that? And then ultimately, who are the people that are behind that? They're, they're true, you know, authentic selves and letting that be kind of the, the storyteller. I think that that has a lot of themes that could really resonate with the dealer body too. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think the whole service profit chain, just uh, how you build loyalty with customers, all of that is also around emotion too. So how people feel when they go into, whether it's their dry cleaner, their bank, their dealership, how they feel really drives whether or not they're going to come back and refer other people. So there's a huge business case around making sure that your culture aligns with your brand or whatever you're promising to. And, you know, the interesting thing about dealers is that in most cities, people know who the dealers are because they are also, you know, they're big personalities that you see on TV. And so there's a personality behind that dealership that whether it's family oriented or it's fun or it's that has to be delivered by every employee when the customer walks through the door. Well, I think you've got to uh, back up what you sell, right? Or what you're saying, those big personalities, you have to experience the same thing. And I'm reminded, I think that discussion, I guess it's psychology, right? Is no one remembers what you say. They remember how you made them feel and whether you're supervising a team, whether you're selling a widget, you know, any of those things, it's, it's about kind of connecting and with the feelings of the people that you're interacting with. Right. But Michelle, you had some experience, I think, helping to align a brand and a culture. Um, what was the driver of that? And, or what are some of the things that you learned through that process? So um, the driver, and I love telling this story because it was, it's a great story for an HR professional, um, how HR really helped to drive business results. So marketing officer, and she was kind of charged with revitalizing the brand or launching a new brand for MGM Resorts, where previously 
every property had its own brand. You know, Bellagio, MGM Grand, Mandalay Bay all had their own marketing campaigns, used their own ad agencies. And she was charged with kind of creating a brand and a marketing campaign for MGM Resorts. So she, her team worked to do that. Um, when they presented it, it's called Welcome to the Show. It's online. It's super exciting. When you see it, you want to hop on a plane and go to Las Vegas and, you know, um, have that whole Vegas experience because it's so exciting and really highlighted everything with it. that was great about all of our properties under that MGM Resorts umbrella. The problem was the first time we watched the video, everyone was so excited. They wanted to see it, you know, during uh, NFL games and commercials. Everybody wanted to see it everywhere. And the problem was that we we kind of felt like our company wasn't ready to deliver on that brand. So if we we show you all the excitement of restaurants and and the spa and uh, entertainment at Bellagio, and when you get there, you feel like you're at the DMV. I mean, that's going to be <laughs> failing on the brand promise. So you know, we felt like if we we're going to put this big statement out there about how much fun you can have in Las Vegas and throughout our company, but particularly in Las Vegas where you have fifty thousand employees that when someone got into the building, they had to feel that brand. So we, we, she and I worked together to say, okay, it's not time yet. This is what it will be, but here's what we need to do. And we spent about 18 months working on the culture and service standards, making sure those are consistent across the company. That, and again, going back to emotion, what we um, taught our employees and our leaders was that that um, not the process of checking in quickly, but the emotion around it. So if you had an opportunity in the language we use, if you had an opportunity to wow someone, you needed to take that opportunity because a wow is what you remember when the Fort Lauderdale check-in happened fine, I got to my room on time. You remembered that and one of our stories that we shared was uh, after this, after we launched all of this, one of our front desk managers uh, in the note in um, check-in that they requested a rubber duck to be put into their room. And in Las Vegas, that's probably modeled for a request <laughs> that we would get. They wanted a rubber to be put into their room. So the manager, I mean, putting it in would be a wow in itself, but um, the manager took it upon himself to find a rubber duck, you know, picked up a rubber duck on a tutorial and took a picture of the duck in the spa with a little towel wrapped around its head and then a picture of it at a roulette wheel and a picture of it in a chair by the pool. And so this duck had a whole journey that they laid out all the pictures for the guest and then set the duck there like the duck had already been on his own Vegas vacation. So the guest was so overwhelmed and impressed by that, that they wrote this long letter and it kind of, that became one of the stories we told around how do you take one little action, probably 15 minutes to, you know, a half hour of his time to really wow a customer created that memory that someone probably told 10, 20 friends when they got home that talked about that experience at, uh, at Bellagio that was consistent with the brand. So, well, I have to say the only time I've ever felt like I'm at the DMV in Las Vegas is in the morning, right? When those yeah. curtains, the curtains open up, but um, <laughs> no, that's, yeah, I, I think it's important, right? Because you can, to your point, you know, oh, check-in was fine versus, and it doesn't have to be a rubber ducky that goes on a tour of Las Vegas or the tour of the property, right? You know, a bottle of water with a smile goes a long way with somebody yeah. that just got off a cross-country flight. And I think if I'm reflecting on my own business, how can I kind of interject some of those bottle of water moments into mm -hmm. my interactions with customers? So pivoting, I, I think just a bit, how do you, the, the pandemic 
has impacted a large, a large everyone, right? No one's gone kind of unscathed, whether through work or personally. How do you kind of anchor towards optimism throughout that, whether it's personally or professionally? What are some strategies that, you know, anyone can use? I think um, being intentional about thinking about things that create a feeling of optimism. So, you know, I know for, and I think this applies personally and professionally, just along with the pandemic, everything that's in the news that drives like, you know, stress and anxiety, whether it's like financial markets, the upcoming election, there's a ton of things that make everybody worry about a bunch of different things. So, you know, one of the things that I learned from a friend of mine, one simple thing, like once a day thinking about what was the best moment of today, and I tried it with my kids. I have a 16 and a 14 year old. And if you have teenagers, you would know they really don't want to talk to their parents about anything. But, yeah. Yeah. but if, I, if I'd asked the question, how was school today? I just get, especially from my 16 year old son, I get a one word, it was good. But I tried asking both of them, I said, you know, what was the best moment of the day? And while my 16 year old son's best moment was lunch, he did go on and on about what he had for lunch, which I appreciated. You know, my daughter had something much more, I think, emotional. She talked about, because she's new to the school this year, and so she talked about making a friend and, you know, how good it felt to make a friend with someone in um, her first few days of school. But they, they talked about something, and you could see their facial expression change when they were talking about it versus just, you know, kind of how are you doing today? Good and moving on. Um, getting them to intentionally think about what was really good because every day has something good, whether it was, you know, no one was in line in front of you at Starbucks drive through That's a really good moment <laughs> that great um, moment. makes you feel um, better than you did before you thought of it. So that was one thing was um, at the, at least once a day, like at the end of each day, thinking about and really remembering what was the best moment of today. The other thing is there's a ton of research that shows if you express gratitude or thank someone else, that that builds a more positive, more optimistic feeling. So having a practice of whether, you know, and I've done this recently on LinkedIn, people that I used to work with, or, you know, colleagues that you have now, sending a message, sending a text, even calling them and just thanking them for something that they did for you makes you feel more positive and optimistic. There are a couple things like that that are really simple, but they're intentional. I'm going to do this once a day. And it does help. You could try it with, um, if you have a team of people, start the meeting off if you have a team meeting. Or at MGM Resorts, we would have what we called a pre-shift. Everybody kind of gathers around. You talk about what's going on that day, who's checking in, who's checking out. If you have a huddle like that, having a topic like, what's the best moment of today? Or... What are you most proud of that happened in the last week? Or what are you most proud of that happened yesterday? And having people go around the room and say one sentence is something that you could feel the mood change when you do something like that. I love both of those things kind of, because it's twofold. One, I think we, if you're asking the question, you get to learn. But when you're responding to the question, you find that kind of focus in the moment. And then gratitude piece is, is just as critical because I think it helps bring that to life for, for others as well. So I guess similar story, I ask my daughters at dinner every night, who'd you eat lunch with today? Like trying to get conversation more than how yeah. today go. And it took me about three days to figure out they have assigned seating now. At school. <laughs> I was like, are you with the same person every day, huh? Dad, That's we, funny. Have a sign, we have assigned seating <laughs> these days. Michelle, I'm curious, 
I, I guess probably uh, I am curious about a lot of different things, but I think that's probably a, a good a good bow to put on our conversation today around the best moment of the day and practicing gratitude. There's a couple different things I'll take out of this conversation for certain. Number one is the importance of doing the right thing for for everyone, including your direct team members. Number two is the importance of communication and how during times of, of great stress, when if you build those kind of two muscles around doing the right things and communicating authentically, it will help you navigate those stressful times. And the more you can do it by telling a story through compelling vision, I think, as you put it, yep. the more impactful it'll be for, for everyone. So uh, thank you for your time today. This has uh, been beneficial. I'm certain our listeners will find some value there. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to like it, share it on your favorite platforms, and don't forget to rate us too. So Michelle, where can uh, our listeners find you? I think you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on um, LinkedIn and I'm, uh, my name is Michelle. My maiden name is Bray, B-R-A-Y Detondo on LinkedIn. And we'll make sure to share a link in our comments. So thank you for your time today and thank you. best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Be sure to keep listening to The Walk Around as we explore the retail automotive space to keep up with the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and share it with your friends.